1: From KQED.
2: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Ariana Prail in Fermina Kim. The 94th Annual Academy Awards ceremony takes place on Sunday. And event backers hope that a cast of three female comedic hosts, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall, and a reworked format will reinvigorate the show's waning popularity. We'll talk about the nominations and hear your picks for best films, performances, and music, like this song from the film Encanto, which is up for best score, best animated feature, and more. You can weigh in now with your thoughts by emailing forum at kqed.org, and we'll talk about them after this news. This is Forum. I'm Ariana Prale. in Fermina Kim. It feels so good to be alive Got all my family by
3: my side
4: Couldn't wipe this black off if I tried That's why I lift my head with pride
2: that's Be Alive by Beyoncé from the film King Richard about how the legendary tennis careers of Venus and Serena Williams began. Be Alive is one of five Best Original Song nominees up for an Oscar this weekend when Hollywood gathers for the 94th Academy Awards ceremony. After years of declining ratings, film producer Will Packer was brought on board this year to make the Oscars a must-see show again. But a number of production choices have already raised a lot of eyebrows and even angered some Academy members like sidelining eight awards, including best film editing, best production design and best documentary short to occur before the live show and appear as video recaps during the show and then adding a hashtag Oscar fan favorite award that was voted on via Twitter. It, so is it production prowess or pandering or a little bit of both? Here with me to talk about that and the numerous films up for an Oscar is Sonia Rao, pop culture reporter at The Washington Post. Welcome to Forum, Sonia. Hi, Thanks for having me. We also have Sam Adams, senior editor for Slate, where he covers film and TV. Welcome, Sam.
5: Hi, great to be here.
2: So we'll definitely get to the actual films and performances, but first I do want to start with what's become the headlining story, the Academy Awards show itself, and the existential crisis it seems to be in amidst a totally different landscape of television viewing and audience behavior. There have been a number of really interesting think pieces on this, too. Justin Chang at the L.A. Times writes, The Oscars are embracing better movies. The show acts like it's embarrassed by them. Bill Jabiri wrote a piece titled Self-Loathing Will Kill the Oscars for Vulture and asked the question, What if we didn't fix the Oscars? And then L.A. Magazine has, has a story that bluntly just puts it, Are the Oscars over? <laughs> so, Sonia Rao, have you been seeing this discussion swirling? And what do you make of it?
6: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing is, I believe in 2018 or 2019, they actually introduced the idea of having a popular film category um, to kind of honor the movies that are now being voted on on Twitter, I guess. Um, There was huge backlash to that, and they kind of backed down. This year, they are not backing down. So I think, you know, I I think that ABC has a lot to do with this. The Oscars ratings have been declining for years at this point. And they're really, it seems to me at least, like they're kind of grasping at anything (laughs) that they can to get these viewers back but like all these things pieces are saying I think that in some ways they're just alienating their core audience by you know almost dishonoring a lot of these artists whose categories are now going to be edited into the telecast as opposed to presented live like the other
2: ones right and Sam Adams, let me add another layer to this. Producer Will Packer said the theme of this year's show is, quote, movie lovers unite. And he wants to represent movie lovers of all stripes. And in thinking about the show, he's also quoted as saying, quote, it's always about the audience. What does the audience want? But I'm not getting the sense that the Oscars know who their audience is anymore, as Sonia was alluding to. It's just become who ABC and advertisers say it needs to be. Have you seen any of Will Packer's comments about the show? What are your thoughts on his approach that's been revealed anyway? And then any of your thoughts on that original question of this existential who and what are the Oscars for?
5: I mean, I sympathize with the position that he's put in, I think, because he's being essentially asked to turn back the clock. It is true that last year, the ratings for the Oscars were disastrous. They fell by, I think, something like 56%. Um, but the ratings of the Grammys last year were also off over 50%. I mean, what the audience wants is not to watch live television on broadcast. And there's only so much the Oscars can do to change that. There are people who are very tuned into what the Oscars mean and what they stand for. Um, and it, it does seem to me that they are alienating those people and indeed, you know, members of the Academy itself, some of whom have you know, threatened to resign because the, their categories are being taken off the air. Um, and they're going after people who just don't watch TV.
2: Yeah. So what happens if, you know, quote unquote, no one watches the Oscars by good TV rating standards? Do movies die, you know, disintegrate like a Mission Impossible message? I mean, they, the Oscars did used to be way, you know, back in the day, a very insular industry events that only those in the industry cared about. And the Golden Globes, too, it was an industry luncheon. Should we as a culture care if the Oscars, the show, succeeds? Sonia, what's your take on that?
6: I think it's an interesting question because, you know, to receive an Oscar, of course, it's recognition on behalf of your industry. It's a huge thing. But then we also see, you know, the same thing is accomplished with these Guild Awards that the public audience pays a lot less attention to. So I do wonder, I mean, I think this will be far down the road. I think the Oscars still have enough viewers to maintain a level of relevancy here uh, beyond, you know, the SAG Awards or maybe PGA or whatever. Um, But I wonder whether they're headed down that road. You know, what Sam was saying earlier about people not wanting to watch TV. I don't know that, you know, one award show can single handedly (laughs) counteract a giant cultural trend. So maybe they'll be streaming one year, like I have no idea. But they're definitely I don't think that the Oscars are necessarily going to go back to what we,
5: you know, knew them as.
2: Yeah. And what's your thought on that question, Sam, of should we as a culture care if the Oscars, the show succeeds?
5: I mean, I think the Oscars are, I mean, look, there's no show on television at this point that judges their performance solely by how they perform live the night that they airs. It's all about sort of streaming and circulating on social media and building brand awareness. And the Oscar is still... I think the strongest brand of any award anywhere, nobody cares Mm -hmm. as much about who wins a Grammy or who gets a Nobel Prize. I mean, Oscars still mean something to people. People still want to watch every movie that's nominated for Best Picture, even though there are 10 of them this year, Um, and they were afraid to go to movie theaters. Um, So I think they're still tremendously meaningful in that sense. Um, The extent to which the broadcast itself um, is the cornerstone of that may be a little bit in danger.
2: So we're talking about the Oscars coming up this weekend. I'm here with Sonia Rao, pop culture reporter with The Washington Post, Sam Adams, senior editor at Slate. And you are listeners. Which film do you think deserves a Best Picture Oscar? Which actors deserve to win? And will you even be watching this year? Why or why not? You can call us now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or email your questions to forum at KQED org. And Sam Adams, let's talk a bit about where the Academy itself is at. You know, following that explosive 2012 Los Angeles Times article that revealed Oscar voters were 94% white and 77% male. um, There have been efforts to diversify membership. And of course, there was the hashtag OscarsSoWhite from a few years ago, which unfortunately rings true again this year. Where do things stand with the makeup of the Academy?
5: I mean, they've improved tremendously over the last ten years. Which is not to say that there is um, that the Oscars still look like America, or let alone the rest of the world. Um, the numbers are still pretty out of whack. I mean, the key statistic that I'm really thinking about this year is I've seen a numerical analysis on a Numlock Awards, which sort of takes a data-driven approach to the, the Oscars, and they're claiming through sort of inference, because the Academy doesn't exactly release these numbers, that there are now more voters in the Academy who have joined uh since that la times article in 2012 then who predate it so they're now a majority of the academy and they're not all um women or, and people of color or pe- uh, people from other countries that they are ma- that is those groups are sort of a majority of who's been added since then so this is really not the same academy who voted for the king's speech best picture and i don't even think it's the academy who voted for green book um that makes things really interesting but also very difficult to predict for people whose job that is yeah
2: and so, Sonia Rao, let's get in. Let's start getting into some of the films. Um, there's 10 nominees this year. Um, which are the ones that are rising to the top thus far?
6: You know, I think the frontrunner still in my eyes would be The Power of the Dog, Jane Campion's film, um, Netflix. So I, I'm actually interested to see how many people have seen it um, this year, maybe more than we would have anticipated. Um, and then I think Coda seems to be kind of a runner up to that, if not also for, uh, among another frontrunner. Um, That movie, you know, I kind of we've been referring to it as kind of like a little engine that could type movie um, in meetings at work because it's, you know, it's definitely smaller. It is an Apple film, um, but it was, you know, at Sundance kind of has been increasingly winning a lot of awards throughout the season. Um, So it could win. I'm still thinking that Power of the Dog has the uh, overall preference there. But for sure, I think it's between those two out of the 10.
2: Sam Adams, what about you? What's rising to the top for you?
5: yeah i mean i, I think those are, are definitely sort of the two movies that seem to be in the running for uh best picture uh you know i tend to think that the power of the dog is going to prevail there but it will be interesting either way is, is we're, you know we're going to have the first movie from a streaming service to win best picture this year oh. almost certainly and it's interesting to me that in a year when movie going was such a fraught activity and i think the bad boxes bad excuse me the bad box office of a movie like west side story basically killed its awards chances. I think these are two movies that are actually benefiting from barely having been released in theaters and, you know, having months to kind of come to public consciousness rather than a a bad opening weekend that then overshadows everything else they do.
2: Yeah. Well, we have a little cut of The Power of the Dog, so let's just play that to to give audiences a taste.
7: 25 years ago, where were you, Jodgy boy? Mm. What do you? I'll tell you. Chubby, no nothing, too dumb to get through college. People helped you, fat. So, one person in particular taught you and me ranch, and so we damn well succeeded.
2: Bronco Henry. Mm. Bronco Henry. So, we're hearing Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Clemens, who play brothers in the film. And Sam Adams, could you just give also a little bit more context for us there with with the setup of that film um,
5: well, yeah so Power of the Dog is a, a movie by uh, Jane Campion, uh, a great director who also had not made a movie in 12 years before this and it is essentially a, a western um, these are two brothers who are heir to a ranch in Montana but they've both sort of been uh, back east going to college and you can hear even in the just the voices in that clip, which I think it's the first time I've heard disembodied Benedict Cumberbatch doing mm-hmm, that role, mm-hmm. and just like the accents are really popping out of me in this yeah. context. Um, but you could tell one of them is really taken, you know, sort of over the over the top, taking on this role of being kind of a ranch man, and the other one wants to kind of have a legitimate, uh, but sort of more of a business oriented approach to ranching. So it's about sort of the battle between those two ideologies and and the fate of the West and um, a whole bunch of other yeah. interesting topics.
2: Well, we're talking about this year's Academy Award nominations ahead of the ceremony on Sunday with Sonia Rao, pop culture reporter with The Washington Post, and Sam Adams, senior editor at Slate. And we'll go into the break hearing another Best Original Song nominee, Down to Joy by Van Morrison for the film Belfast. You're listening to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail and Fermina Kim.
3: Had a brand new story But coming down to joy so Coming down
0: Something quite, quite profound Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sarriaho's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward.
4: It burn.
3: you're no longer my concern,
0: faces from my past return, another lesson, yeah.
2: That's Best Original Song nominee, No Time to Die by Billie Eilish and Phineas. We're talking about this year's Academy Award nominations ahead of the ceremony on Sunday with Sonia Rao, pop culture reporter with The Washington Post, and Sam Adams, senior editor for Slate, where he covers film and TV. That song is considered one of the front runners. It seems doing a James Bond song is a shoe-in. Has a James Bond song ever not won when nominated? Do you happen to know, Sonia?
6: actually I don't, but that would be an amazing thing to look up. Yeah, think,
2: Sam Smith won, right, Adele won. Yeah. yeah,
6: there's just an inherent drama to those songs that I think the Academy loves.
2: Well, that'll be one to, to look out for. Uh, well, let's get into the films a little bit more. Uh, Sam Adams, you write in one of your recent pieces that the 2022 Oscar nominations speak to a vision of a world without boundaries. Can you talk more about that?
5: Sure. So we were talking a little bit about how the Oscar voters have changed over the last uh, 10 years or so, and there's been a lot of focus on uh, sort of racial and, and gender diversity in the voting body, and I think a little less paid to how many of these voters are international, which is Oscar speak for, you know, they don't come from the U.S., um, and that's always been the case in Hollywood. It was a town built by immigrants in the first place, but more and more of these voters seem to be people who are not trying to make it in Hollywood. And I they think they're bringing with them a worldview in which, uh, for example, this year we have uh, three movies, uh, "Flee," The Worst Person in the World, Drive My Car, um, that are not in English and are... You know they're all nominated for best international film, but then between between the them, they're also nominated in five other different categories, including best screenplay category, uh, best director, and uh, best documentary. Um, and I, I think, you know these these voters are just not people who say like, oh well, you can't not make the same movie for uh international feature and documentary or for best picture and uh best international film you know as so we saw that very dramatically with parasite a few years ago yeah. and i think more and more what uh, bong chun ho talked about then as the one inch barrier of subtitles is really you know maybe half an inch now or something for these voters so you know it's not just that they're seeing more value in movies that aren't in english although they are but they're also just not seeing that movies have to stay in the little box for the category that they're submitted in and um, that makes the whole thing way more interesting and I think more true to, you know, what the landscape of film and entertainment and just this increasingly connected world we live in looks like.
2: Yeah. And Sonia, I'm curious, your thoughts or any reflections that you've seen in, in seeing the, the films that were nominated this year and in your analysis, um, do you agree with Sam of kind of seeing this, the significance of this kind of worldwide expansion? I think so.
6: I mean, I think those three titles he just pointed out, the fact that they, you know, were able to be nominated in more than one category each, I don't know that we would have seen that um, in the past. You know, Drive My Car, I was really happy to see that land a Best Picture nomination as well. I wasn't sure, again, whether it would have given my established notion of who the Academy is, which at this point might be outdated. I want to say it's outdated um, out of faith that, you know, they are looking beyond American films um, themselves, but... Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think this speaks to a larger industry trend as well. We've been talking about streaming a lot. I think something that has really come to the forefront of, you know, platforms like Netflix, for example, is the international, again, speaking outside of the United States, um, you know, the shows that they have, the films they have on those platforms, they do, you know, if we are to trust Netflix's uh, statistics that they give out to us, they're doing pretty well. I think, you know, I think audiences, American or otherwise, they're just hungry for films that document experiences outside of their own. I think that's you know, always been something that cinema can bring us. Um, so I think it's encouraging to see, you know, the Academy with the prestige and you know its position in the industry, kind of acknowledge that more and more each year.
2: Yeah. And just, I think, the exposure, because I know that there are four longtime fans of the Oscars. I know I grew up in a household where my parents watched, and I've watched since I was a kid. And I know my parents still have the tradition of, you know, when all the nominee, the film nominees, you know, they line them up and they make sure to watch them so that when they watch the show, they can have their informed opinion on, you know, who <laughs> ended up getting it. And um, And so knowing that they're there's a whole new swath of films that are kind of being included in that bucket, Um, just increases that exposure for people who do kind of take on that tradition of uh, checking out all the films. Well, let's go to listener Demetrius in San Mateo. Demetrius, you're on.
7: Yes, hi, good morning, um, and thank you for the show. My comment is that we are, since we have split the pie, nobody's getting a good piece. And what I mean by that is... It used to be movies. We used to go to the movies and have a shared experience of the theater, of the cinema, and um, movies, the best pictures, and this and that. There was five, six, seven of them. And we used to share in that experience and have a stake in watching the Oscar show. Now, with the streaming services, 17 of them out there, and every one of them has a best picture uh, nominated, So many pictures or so many uh, products have been nominated. And not all of us have all the streaming services. So definitely not all of us have seen all the pictures. So we don't have a stake in watching the Oscar show. And I think that's why we're losing audience.
2: That's a good point, Demetrius. And just a reminder to our listeners, you can join the conversation with your thoughts and opinions on which film deserves to win, what actors deserve to win. And if you'll even be watching this year, tell us why or why not. You can call us now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, Instagram as well. Or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Sam Adams, what's your response to Demetrius? Um, point. I know you were kind of touching on that earlier.
5: Yeah, well, he's absolutely right. I mean, the the New York Times ran an article this morning about um, how we're sort of at the end of movies, because they're not this big sort of monocultural thing that everyone unites around anymore. And that's, that's true. Uh, you know, I think the thing is also nothing else is that now, like that's just not the world we live in anymore. So on the one hand, all these movies are easier to see because they're on the In your house but on the other hand you have to you know subscribe to netflix and hulu and apple tv and rent them on this platform so it 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 just it comes to be like much more work just figuring out where you can even see them let alone doing it so yeah that does um decrease people's investment in it and i i think it's you know again going back to the problems with the broadcast i think it's just you know the culture has changed so much that there's only so much tv show can do to fix that Mm -hmm.
2: Well, Jocelyn writes on Instagram, I always watch, regardless of how many movies I've seen. I love the glitz and the glamour. But okay, I'm hoping West Side Story and Encanto get a lot of awards. I think Power of the Dog should get cinematography. Sonia Rao, the glitz and the glamour. That still seems to be, you know, part of the appeal that will just get folks to tune in no matter what. What do you think?
6: I agree. And I think that's what this year's show has in its favor. I mean, the last year's Oscars were extremely strange, given that they were, you know, the pandemic era Oscars, um, a bunch of people sitting in uh, the train station. They weren't right, even Union at the station. Dolby. Yeah, they weren't at Dolby like they normally are. Um, I think we're going to see a return to form this year. So not only are they at Dolby, but they'll have a traditional red carpet. You know, we're going to get those many, many hours of red carpet coverage that some people tune into and then honestly shut off their TVs if they don't want to watch the ceremony. Um, Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I was speaking earlier today and someone referred to the Oscars as like Hollywood prom. I think that is a great way to look at it as well. Um, And I think, you know, for me personally, that's always been part of the appeal of actually sitting down and watching this ceremony is there is a level of like, there's still a level of prestige, I think, to the Oscars. Um, And, you know, the event portion of it is always kind of fun to witness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, I think some people will still tune in for that reason.
2: We're talking about this year's Academy Award nominations ahead of the ceremony on Sunday with Sonia Rao, pop culture reporter with the Washington Post, Sam Adams, senior editor at Slate, and joining us now is Aisha Harris, host of Pop Culture Happy Hour with M- NPR. Welcome to Forum, Aisha. Hey
1: there, thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, so we've been talking about some of the films. Now let's also get into some of these performances, some of these acting categories, both lead and supporting roles. Aisha, I'll start with you. Who are some of the standouts for the the lead actor roles?
1: Well, I think that it seems like it's more or less a shoe in that Will Smith is going to take home his first Oscar this year. He's gotten a lot of a lot of pull in award season so far. He took home a SAG award, which is a pretty good indicator of of him winning on Sunday night. And, you know, his performance as King Richard, Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams has gotten a lot of praise. It's kind of a quintessential Oscar role. It's like biopic, he has to do an accent, some would argue He's, he's not maybe the best at that accent, but, but it, I think if he does win, it'll be very much like a cumulative win for right. all the years, all the years that he has, uh, before that he's been nominated for Ali, also Pursuit of Happiness, like third time's a charm. He's got a lot of push behind him right now.
2: Well, we actually have a cut of Will Smith as King Richard in the film. Let's listen.
7: I know you love Venus. And all this is exciting, but it's a little hard for you, too, huh? Can I tell you a secret? Your sister is going to be number one in the whole world, no doubt about it. I know that. But you, you're going to be the best that ever was. You're going to be the greatest of all time. You know how I know? Cause I planned for it. Go to take that in. You up next?
2: That was Will Smith as Richard Williams in the film *King Richard*. There, he was talking with the actor who played young Serena Williams, who was hoping to get the attention that Venus at the time was seeing. But as we can hear, the prediction that Richard Williams had for his daughters uh, came true. And so yeah, that was that ended up being a really, really powerful story. And um, back to you, Aisha, were there other roles that stood out to you for Best Actress?
1: Uh, well, I would love to see Olivia Coleman take it for *The Lost Daughter*. That movie, that that role to me is just the standout because it's about a mother who has to sort of face these tr- past choices she made as a mother and confront them. And it's a, it's not the typical portrayal of motherhood. It is an an unflinching portrayal of motherhood. And the things that Olivia Colman has to um, portray there are just outstanding. Um, I do think, though, this is the year for Jessica Chastain to finally win the Oscar. Um, Mm. Again, I feel like this will be another sort of, there are other roles that she should have been nominated for or won for. And for the eyes of Tammy Faye, it's another Oscar role. This time, it's like lots of hair and makeup. <laughs> I think that if she does win, a lot of that that credit should go to the hair and makeup team because she is truly a transformation into the into the role of Tammy Faye. So I feel pretty strongly that it's probably going to go to Jessica Chastain, but I would love to see Olivia Colman pull, pull that out.
2: Sam Adams, what about you, your best actor and best actress picks?
5: Um, I mean I think that Aisha's right about who's going to win um it's certainly all the precursors have been lining up there and Will Smith has been the favorite since uh, I don't know like October. Yeah. Um <laughs> I and I love Olivia Coleman as well. It's such a, a great sort of thorny um uh, like a, a sort of like selfish performance. She's really not afraid to go into some of the conflicted feelings that that Mothers and all parents have about, about their kids I love uh, Penelope Cruz In that category as well For uh, Pedro Almodoma's, uh Parallel Mothers um, And actor wise Let's see I mean uh, you've Got Denzel as Macbeth um, right. Great as usual And I really loved uh, what Andrew Garfield did In Tick, Tick, Boom as well Which is uh, the movie that Lin-Manuel Miranda Did his uh, Made his directing debut with He's just playing uh, Jonathan Larson The creator of Rent before that happened as this is just kind of off the walls, energetic uh, theater kid, aspiring musical composer. Um, and it's just a really alive and complicated and and he's <laughs> like Olivia Coleman's performance, both sort of charismatic and dislikable and not afraid to go into all the weird corners of this character. So I think he's doing something really interesting um, with that and just not gonna win, but if I got to hand it to somebody, I would, I would give it to him.
2: Great. And Sonia Rao, your picks.
6: Yeah, I mean, I agree again with who I think, uh, who I each thinks will win. Um, I'm also team Penelope Cruz. I think for Best Actress, I would love uh, to see her recognized. I think she and Alma Dovar do amazing work together. And I think that film also actually presents a really interesting view on motherhood, I think. Um, And it's, of course, linked to Spanish history. There's a lot going on in that movie. And I think she really expertly navigates it. Um, But there is a part of me that's always rooting for a little bit of chaos in the big acting categories. Yeah. So I would not be upset to see Kristen Stewart win. I think, you know, ah. Spencer was not entirely the movie I wanted it to be. Um, I didn't hate it or anything. But I think, you know, it would be a really interesting thing if she won. I think she, for whatever reason, has proven to be a very polarizing actress. Um, and I mean, I love I love her. I think she's great. And, you know, I would love to see her recognized in some way as well.
2: Well, we have this listener tweet um, that I want to send to you, Sonia, as well. I know you need to leave us shortly. Uh, this listener tweets I will be watching for the first time in about 10 years because I heard the cast of Encanto will be performing We Don't Talk About Bruno, <laughs> no, no, uh, which my daughter will love. But I'm kind of excited for the entire show this year because of the hosts, too. And that's right, we have the three um, comedic hosts Wanda Sykes, Regina Hall, Amy Schumer. Sonia Rao, what are your thoughts on this host lineup? What do you think we're going to get out of of that trio?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think when their names were first announced, I was like, how did they settle on these three? You know, and they all have comedic backgrounds, of course. Um, it feel, felt like a really random trio to me. But I think, you know, what I love most about past Oscar ceremonies is I love the rapport of having multiple hosts. I think it's really great to have not just one poor person up there by themselves. And we, you know, the Oscars haven't had a host since Kimmel in 2018, I believe. Um, So I think if they are trying to, you know, revamp the ceremony, bring some energy back to it, bring the comedy back, you know, try to draw people in that way. I think, you know, getting three funny people to host it together is a good way to try to do that.
2: Yeah. And Aisha Harris, what, was your reaction to some of the Will Packer production plans? We talked about it earlier a little bit with Sonia and and Sam. I'm curious your reaction to seeing that host lineup and and the other things that he, Will Packer has in store.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see this, what the three of them bring to this uh, this ceremony. Although I do feel like. Hosting is a very, like, it's not a thank, thankful, forgiving job. And so there's a lot of pressure there. To me, I'm less interested in that and more interested in seeing, you know, what the live performance, uh, the, the song performances are. Beyonce, of course, is going to be there. Um, I'll be curious to see about this Twitter fan favorite category that... Right not happy though but <laughs> if, if, if we're talking about chaos like it'll be cur- it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds and I have a feeling it's going to feel as deflating uh, an experience as I I think it is but maybe it'll surprise me in a way but yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting year to watch and I just hope that at the very least it's not boring right. we'll see
2: Well, we're talking about this year's Academy Award nominations ahead of the ceremony on Sunday with Sam Adams, senior editor at Slate, Aisha Harris, host of Pop Culture Happy Hour at NPR, and Sonia Rao, thanks for joining us, your pop culture reporter for The Washington Post. And we also have you, our listeners, with us. Which film deserves a Best Picture Oscar? Which actors deserve to win, in your opinion? Will you even be watching this year? Why or why not? Call us now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can always get Get in touch on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, or at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We'll get to some of your calls after the break, and we're going to go into the break listening to a bit of Somehow You Do, which is up for Best Original Song, written by now 13-time Academy Award nominee Diane Warren. She has yet to win, though, and performed by Reba McIntyre. It's for the film Four Good Days.
4: So, you, so you feel like you're right on the brink. Oh, you will win the battle of lonely lives. Punched a hole in your soul, yeah. You've been brought to your
0: knees. But there's better days up ahead. You'll be back on your feet again. And... Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Dos oruguitas enamoradas, pasan sus noches y madrugadas, llenas de hambre, siguen andando y navegando un mundo que cambia y sigue cambiando, navegando un mundo que cambia y sigue cambiando. Dos oruguitas paran en
2: in all Best Original Song nominee, Dos Oruguitas, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda for the animated film Encanto. And we're talking about this year's Academy Award nominations ahead of the ceremony this weekend with Sam Adams, senior editor at Slate, where he covers film and TV, and Aisha Harris, host of Pop Culture Happy Hour at NPR. And what do you think, Sam? Will Lin-Manuel Miranda take the Oscar for Best Original Song? I find
5: this a tough one to call this year, but everyone seems to think that it is a Billy and Phineas year, so it seems like not. Um, Going to have to wait a little bit longer for that egot, I guess. Yeah. Um,
2: All right. Well, let's go to another caller, Robert in Pacifica. You're on.
3: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, so I'm 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 an older viewer. I uh, spent my adolescence watching Bergman and Fellini, but and I've watched the Oscars for decades, but I I I don't watch them anymore. It's it's become impossible for me when it used to be a time of glamour and beauty and all music. And it's really turned into a political mishmash now so that you can't even escape uh, the, the, the politics that you go to the Oscars for um, without. Be- you just have to be preached at constantly and you know it's going to happen. And uh, it's just become not only are you know our speeches difficult to give at the Oscars, just like these phone calls into the radio, but but to hear politics and being preached at from a point of view that you may not agree with really, I think, uh, takes away from the experience. So, no, I'm not going to watch it. Thanks.
2: Well, thanks for chiming in with your thoughts, Robert, um, in Pacifica and Sam Adams. What's your reaction to this? And, of course, you know, the Conflict in Ukraine is top of mind. I know that Amy Schumer was has been trying to get um, Zelensky to Skype in or just do some sort of appearance, which is feels like an odd request. Um, he's kind of busy, right? Um, but it's obviously going to be hovering. I wouldn't be surprised to hear a lot of speeches that that reference it or other things potentially with the Supreme Court and you know our politics. What say you on, on that whole topic? Well,
5: I'm, I'm glad that Amy apparent plan to get uh, Vladimir Zelensky involved in the ceremony did not um, come through because I think that would have been like super cringe. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, this is one of the few, you know, the Oscars are still one of the biggest platforms in the world. Um, I think movies can help us escape from it, but they also can bring us closer to it. So I don't think, I mean, if everybody went and gave a big political speech, the evening would probably drag on quite a lot. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's an inappropriate place for that. I think that, um, you know, there, especially when it's a, a cause that the person, you know, up there has really dedicated themselves to and hopefully knows something about. Um, and, and if that's not to your taste, um, then you could there are many, many other people not watching the Oscars and you, know, you can join them. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, this listener writes, I was blown away by the documentary features this year. I can't decide if my top pick is Ascension or Flea. Of course, there's also Summer of Soul. What do you all think? Aisha Harris, I'm going to go to you on that one. So many great docs this year. What stood out to you among this year's nominees? And who's your favorite to win?
1: Oh, man. I mean, this year is actually the first year in a long time where I actually have a really hard time choosing amongst the the choices. Like, all of them to me are great. And they're all great for very different reasons. They're differently styled uh, documentaries. You have Flea, which of course is animated um and is uh, tells the story of a, a young man a young r- refugee uh you also have summer of soul which is half concert film but also um you know it weaves in some pol- political stuff there that's about the harlem cultural festival directed by Questlove. um i think that one might be still my favorite but i would be happy to see any of them when like attica is great ascension is great riding with fire like I really just hope that this documentary category, people go out and seek these documentaries out. Um, if I remember correctly, all of them or most of them by the time uh, the, the ceremony um, happens will be available on streaming. So people are, are able to find all of them on, on streaming.
2: And we have a cut um, of an interview with Questlove, who did Summer of Soul, which is the front runner and many predict to win. Um, and here he's talking about, so this was a, a concert that took place in Harlem, and the footage was just sitting for years, for decades. And he got a hold of it. There and were here over he's talking about 47
7: reels of footage. Miraculously, it sat in Hal Tolson's basement for 50 years. We had to restore it. So that took five months alone for them to just go frame by frame by frame, dusting it, making sure that it didn't snap or anything. I got to say, when we got that footage, it was damn near perfect.
2: Again, that was Questlove talking about restoring the footage for his documentary Summer of Soul. I mean, that's just a beautiful process to hear uh, just kind of what goes into that work. Right, Aisha?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to to watch it is just to see all of these artists, whether it's Nina Simone or Stevie Wonder, uh, it's just such a joyful experience. And I, I think I could see the Academy sort of leading towards that because in many ways it is such a feel-good uh, film. And, and a lot of these films have feel-good moments to them, but I, I would say like a lot of them are also very, very heavy in ways that this is less so. So I can see that being the sort of draw and
2: and why it comes out on top. And Sam Adams, what about you? What are your thoughts on the documentary category?
5: I mean, I love Summer of Soul as well, uh, in addition to all the things that uh, you both just said. I mean, this is a movie about live musical performance that came out in a year when we basically didn't have any of that. And for someone who loves seeing live music as much as I do, it was, you know, tremendously effective. It, it's interesting that, I mean, if that wins and CODA wins, um, both the, the two big sort of big winners will have been the two opening night movies at the Virtual Sundance Film Festival of 2020. Um, but, uh, you know, as I usually said, I mean, I think this category is really just stacked this year. It might be the most solid of any category um again if the trophy was mine to hand out i would probably give it to flea which i think in addition to uh telling a great story is also doing really interesting things with the form that is in it's sort of an animated documentary um, using mostly narration but also some found footage audio and i think just put in it's about um sort of refugees and and immigration and i think You know, the way the animation is used to tell the story that is both very specific, but allowing you um, a very personal way into it, just because you're not, um, because you're looking at these representational drawings instead of actual people is um, just tremendously effective for that story. So I think it's really inventive and very moving, um, and I would love to see it win, but they could also just uh, give it best animated film if they felt like it.
2: Well, Rhonda writes, the Oscars moved to ranked voting for Best Picture a few years ago. How will that affect the Best Picture choice? Does that give Coda a better chance? And I'm rooting for Ariana DeBose to win for Anita in West Side Story, making her and Rita Moreno both winning for that role. And of course, I want Lin-Manuel Miranda to get his EGOT by winning for Best Song, Dos Oruguitas, performed by Sebastian Yatra. So, yeah, what does the ranked choice voting or yeah the ranked voting do um, or how how could that potentially impact things?
1: Aisha Harris, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it does sort of benefit a lot of the movies that I've won in the last few years that have seemed unexpected or unprecedented, whether it's something like Parasite or Moonlight, um, because the voters don't have to necessarily put them as their top choice. If they're anywhere within like, you know, the top two or three, then, uh, and if enough of uh, voters put them within that range, then something like Moonlight can pull out that unexpected win. So I think it's, it's definitely, uh, give to, in addition to the way in which the Academy over the last few years has really sought to diversify and expand its membership, I think adding that as well, has has contributed to why we've gotten these unexpected wins alongside of the like, more expected wins like Green Book.
2: Right. And speaking of some of that diversification that listener also mentioned, Ariana DeBose uh, nominated uh, for a supporting role with West Side Story, we actually have a cut of part of her performance. Um, It's obviously got kind of the full cast ensemble going on, but she is the lead um, female singer you'll hear in this. Let's listen.
4: Skyhoppers, bloom in America. Cadillac, like zoom in America. In a trip in America. we
3: in a room in America.
4: Lots of new housing with more space. No sort of in
1: our face.
3: I'll get a terrace apartment. Better get rid of your accent. Life can be bright in America. And
2: again, that was a clip of West Side Story where you could hear the character of Anita singing, played by Ariana DeBose, uh, which is so she's not only a woman of color, she's also openly queer. And that is something that has stood out with the nominees this year um, with Kristen Stewart also as well. I think it's the first time in Oscars history. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody with Sam Adams, do you know, is that correct? Um, that we have two openly gay nominees. Um, I, I believe that's right. Category. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what did you think of Ariana DeBose's uh, performance and Does she, it seems she's the front runner on everybody's predictions. Um, Could there be any spoilers for that?
5: Uh, It doesn't seem very likely. I mean, it is a phenomenal performance. I mean, arguably my favorite among all 20 uh, acting nominees. Um, It just jumps off the screen. It really reminds you, among other things, how stacked with talent the cast of Hamilton was, that Ariana DeBose um, was in that cast and didn't even have any lines, like she, you know, and even that far down on the cast, you would summon this amazing, um, this talented singer, dancer, actor, triple threat. Um, So yeah, th- I mean, that sequence that you played America is is far and away the best part of West Side Story for me. And it centers on her. Um, and it's just like a staggering thing to watch. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to her win, which is um, probably after Summer of Soul. If I had to put money on one, um, that mm-hmm. would be the one.
2: And Steven Spielberg is also considered kind of the potential spoiler for the director role for directing West Side Story, Jane Campion, uh, the favorite for The Power of the Dog. Aisha Harris, where do you see that kind of head to head race going?
1: You know, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Spielberg took it. I feel like this movie feels in a way like a sort of comeback for Spielberg. And, you know, he is sort of Hollywood establishment at this point, And sometimes we do get those sort of upsets. Um, and so I, I would not be upset if he took it. I, I do think that West Side Story, I had qualms with it, but he was really able to, him and Tony Kushner, really able to make it sing in a way that I was not expecting and anticipating and really update it in a very interesting way. And so I, I would be okay with that if, if he did, but I, I still... Despite Jane Campion putting her foot in, a mouth, in her mouth a week or two ago um, uh, with regards to Serena and B- Venus Williams, I still would love to see her take it home for Power of the Dog.
2: Reminder to your listeners that you're listening to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail and Fermina Kim. Well, we have this listener who tweets, one, I love Dos Oruguitas. Two, I would be more positive about a Twitter vote. It's a way of engagement. I didn't like the, well, I don't like it, but we'll see if it fails uh, comment. I mean, come on, the whole show is about votes. Well, Aisha Harris, I know this is in response to your um, comment about the vote. So <laughs> explain yourself a little bit more. Yeah, where's, yeah, where, what's behind your opinion and, and feel on that? Which does, I mean, the Twitter, this <laughs> Oscar fan favorite is, seems like a very pandering moves
1: yeah but... it's totally pandering and I think that if if they think that this is going to make more people tune in then they're ignoring the the reason why the people who have still stuck with it year after year really care about it and it's not about fan like fanfare necessarily um to me it seems like a bigger outgrowth of like this really kind of unsettling uh, uh appeal to fans and stands in general that the industry has taken and the marvelization and like how we basically big tentpole movies have overtaken smaller movies and it's much harder to get smaller or even mid-sized dramas and movies made. And so I, I'm sorry, but like, I don't think it's a good thing. I think like it's fine to have it. If you want to do a Twitter fan favorite, that's fine, but we don't need to telecast it when there's also going to be a bunch of other categories Technical categories that are not going to get telecast, or at Hmm. least not telecast in full. So I think it's it's a terrible decision, and I'm I'm sorry to that listener.
2: Well. On top of that, Cindy writes, I watch the Oscars every year, but I continue to be disappointed with some of the decisions of the Academy. To relegate Danny Glover, Samuel Jackson, Elaine May, and Liv Ullman to a January banquet and not give national recognition and airtime for their awards on Oscar night is a snub to their work. The fact that they are women and men of color gives it an extra sting. And this listener, Kenneth, writes, Power of the Dog was a Hollywood loves it film. Tell me which character you liked, identified with, or thought was sympathetic. Poorly lit interiors and discordant violin music don't make it, quote unquote, deep. Sam Adams, I'm just curious. We don't have to necessarily focus specifically on Power of the Dog in that respect, but still this, you know, Hollywood loves it film always ends up being a category um, that some people kind of groan at. What's your your thought on that?
5: Well, I mean, I no one's required to like any movie, of course. I mean, I, I can tell you that, I mean, just looking at the Netflix numbers, which are always a little suspect because there's no way to affect them. But, I, you know, I think, you know, hundreds of millions of people have seen The Power of the Dog. I mean, there's always a point, like my mom texted me about it, which is when I know that like a movie has really crossed over. So it is, it it seems like a very strange runner lock to me it is a, it is a sort of cold and imposing movie with it as the as the caller says like a lot of uh, not especially cuddly characters but people have really been um caught into it i mean i had a conversation with a friend of mine about the movie in the middle of a philadelphia 76ers game um so it's out there and people are seeing it um mm-hmm. yeah so it's not it's not just hollywood whether or not one agrees with those people's mm-hmm. taste is uh is up to you
2: Well, we're getting close to the end. But this listener writes, the opening numbers are supposed to be the biggest productions ever in Oscar history. Can we talk a little bit about the excitement of seeing a fabulous show? Uh, So let's get both your takes on this. Aisha, what are you most excited for?
1: uh just the uncertainty of it all to be honest like it's it's the first year back like obviously they had the ceremony last year but it's the first year back in big theater and in and the pop and circumstance circumstance uh and and i'm very curious to just see how it all plays out and and how the hosts bring it and and whether or not we'll have any a deal N- nazim or like la la land right. like level mix up so I, that's what i'm i'm looking forward to
2: Sam Adams, what are you excited for this weekend?
5: I mean, I'm excited for the same thing I'm always excited for, which is the speeches. I mean, I definitely have my my chaos Muppet side, so I sympathize sympath- with Aisha there. Like, I'm, we're all looking for stuff to go wrong. It'll give me something to write about Sunday night. But, you know, a number of these the acting winners that I'm looking at, you know, Will Smith, Ariana DeBose, uh, Troy Kotzer, who's the deaf actor who's nominated for CODA yes. and seems likely to win there. I mean, these are going to be, you know, important wins as well as as gratifying ones. And I think, you know, one thing that's so frustrating about moving these categories off the air is that people watch Oscars for the speeches. That's what people, you know, except for the occasional joke or musical performance, that's what people talk about the next day. And it just seems nuts to get rid of the thing that really makes the Oscars worth watching.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining me for this conversation. We've been talking about this year's Academy Award nominations with Sam Adams, senior editor at Slate, Aisha Harris, host of Pop Culture Happy Hour at NPR. And earlier, we talked to Sonia Rao, pop culture reporter, The Washington Post. And speaking of Coda, we're going to hear a little bit of some of the singing from that lead character. Know that Form is produced by Judy Campbell, myself, Paul Couturez, Grace Wan, and Caroline Smith, with, assi- with assistance from Cesar Saldana. Susan Britton is the lead producer for the 10 o'clock hour and produced this show. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, Brendan Willard, and Chris Hoff. Our interns are Jennifer Inc., Paul Kelly Campos. Our executive editor is Ethan toven Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. Have a great weekend and enjoy the show. I'm Mariana Prail, and for Mina Kim... All that I need
0: to get by. Funds for the production of forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.